You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. In Proverbs 22, it says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. This is how much God values humility. And we live in a culture that values pride. From kindergarten, like take pride in your kindergarten class. All the way up to our sports, our, you know, all kinds of different things. And yet God says, humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages, meaning humility pays off. And so my, my message in the welcome here is keep getting them checks with humility. Uh, amen? Because its wages are riches, honor, and life. Uh, and so tonight we're going to cover chapter 9, humility towards all people. And chapter 10, humility in discipling. Amen? DK is going to come up. You know, before DK comes up, before I pray, I want to share a little story about DK. This is not Daniel Kim. This is DK from Long Beach. I had the privilege of meeting DK uh, in one of our high school Bible talks at Wilson High School. He came for the pizza. And uh, Daisha, Daisha's here. There she is. She, she studied the Bible at that same Bible talk and became a Christian. And, of course, DK started persecuting her, telling, him, telling her not to come to church because we were crazy. And we were. But then DK started studying the Bible and coming to family, to small group in the teen ministry himself. And then he received his own persecution by his family. Uh, and so I just admire and respect DK so much to see his growth, his maturity, but more than anything, his growing love for God and his word. Amen. DK was not allowed to come to church. He had to wait till he was 18, snuck out of the house. His first Sunday at church, he was baptized. Uh, amen. And that was in 20, 2011. Uh, and so let's go ahead and let's pray. Uh, amen. I guess we can give DK a hand. Let's pray. And then DK will come up and lead us in these two next chapters. Father, we're so grateful that you direct us and you tell us exactly what you value. That you give us the steps that give us life, that give us honor, that give us spiritual and physical riches. The very things, really, God, we desire. But, Father, it's so easy for us to seek them on our own or to seek them with worldly or humanistic principles. Thank you for this session of Elevate and being able to dig deep and expose our own pride. But more than anything, God, to pursue humility. God, we really want to be known by you. We really want to honor you. We're grateful that you're a God that's present in our lives, that you're a God that evaluates our motives, our intentions, that you weigh our, our motives and intentions, God. And yet you still love us. I love that song, that prayer, soften our heart. I pray for that tonight, God, that you soften our heart, God, that none of us may, be de- may, may walk away deceived because of pride. That whatever we have against someone 
one of our brothers or sisters, God, that we would take that to heart and know that that hurts you because you died for all of us. You died for our unity. And we pray, God, that you would give us the faith and the trust to have humility towards all people and humility in our discipling relationships. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening, singles. It's good to see you guys today. Um, thank you, Martine, for that welcome. It is true, I did persecute Daisha in high school. I told Daisha that she shouldn't uh, be in the church anymore, and then I joined the church, and so that's how that goes. But um, I am grateful that that is what happened. And um, like, like Martine said, today we're going to continue our series, Out of the Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility. Um, today we're going to talk about humility towards all people and humility in discipling. But first, I want to cover just a, a topic that is, that has, it's just been a hot topic lately ever since I joined the singles. Um, and, and, and it's really this, it's that me and Daniel Kim have the same name. And, and, and something is, I mean, we always sit together at, at almost every meeting we're at. We're right, ne- right, right there next to each other. So I, I want to clear up some myths about this, okay? So I devoted a slide to this. All right? So, so, so this is the deal. The, the top name is, is my actual name, okay? My name is Chukwu Budike, okay? So Chukwu means God in Igbo. Igbo is the language in Nigeria, okay? So Chukwu means God. Bu means is, and Dike means warrior in Igbo. So my name is actually Dike, right? That, that is my given name. I cannot change it if I wanted to. That is my name. Now, his name is Daniel Kim. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about the matter. It's Daniel Kim. No, I'm just kidding. He was here first. We, we just both go by DK. You can go, you can go South Bay, Long Beach. You can go Black, Asian. It doesn't matter. We are both DK. But I just wanted you guys to know that that was, was what was going on. So, moving on. We're going to go with humility towards all people. I had to do it, Daniel. I had to, I had to let him know. We're going humility towards all people. Okay, and I have a question for you guys. Oh, wait, never mind. I have a, we're going to go from the book in page 77. Um, so if you guys are opening the book, I hope you guys are reading this book. It's a very good book. I hope you guys are following along. Um, it has been really, really been helping me. I have, I've been highlighting all these different pages. So it's, it's a great book. But in page 77, the second sentence, it says, We may fall in humility before him in prayer, but the real test of our humility is what we, is what we do when we leave that place and go out and meet our neighbors. The point is that our humility is shown in our relationship with people, in our relationship with one another. I have a question. Who is someone that you find it difficult to be humble to? Now, just to preface this question, I don't want you to say, like, names. Like, (laughs) him. It's him. I don't like it. You know what I mean? I mean, like, generally, uh, you know, is it your teacher? Is it your sister? Is it your boss? Whatever it is. Who are some people that are in positions that, that, that you find it difficult to be humble to them? Anyone? <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to change the slide off that one. We can't keep talking about that. We gotta, um, and so I, I, I was thinking about this, and this is not a real definition of false humility, but uh, this is the one that I thought of after reading the book. Um, false humility. It is being humble based on convenience or selfish gain. 
It's, it's the idea that we are able to pick and choose our spots to be humble. Right? That I can be humble in this circumstance, but I can be not humble here. I can be humble with that person, or I can be not humble with this other person. Um, I wrote down some examples. I thought, you know what? I can be humble with my boss because I want a promotion or I want to impress them. But with my fellow coworkers, I'm not humble. I won't be humble to that roommate because he's dirty. And he messes things up, and so I, I, I won't be humble to that person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at that person kind of foul sometimes. You know, I'll be humble with my interests because I want them to like me. But with the other disciples, not humble, not happening. You know, I, I won't be humble to that person because I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm more experienced than that person. So I, I'm going to selectively choose to be humble to the people who are actually older than me. You know, and, and to me, that is false humility. To me, that is, that is manipulation, Right? And, and it's just not right. Um, and, and I think the book, if you, if you read through chapter 9, it gives us the things that we must do, the, the people who we must be in order to avoid false humility, in, in order, in order to, to avoid being humble when it's easy and being, and being prideful when it's not. And the first thing it says is we have to be people who are without self-righteousness. On page 79, it says, True humility means an end to all of our self-righteousness. If becoming a disciple of Jesus causes you to be more self-righteous, you have missed the message of the cross. And I think that it is very, very easy, at least for me, speaking for myself, it's so easy to be prideful with people who I don't understand or who I don't agree with. You know what I mean? And, and it's so much easier to criticize them and to stand at a point of being self-righteous. Um, I, I know for myself, I was baptized in 2011, just like Martine shared, and the first three years just went really, really well for me. You know what I mean? It was just awesome. I was in the campus ministry. I was at Cerritos College in the campus ministry. The ministry was growing. People were getting baptized left and right. I was having my quiet time every single day. I would always joke. I always tell people, man, I never miss church. I only missed church one time because my ride didn't get me. You know, I didn't have a car back then. My ride didn't get me. But you know what? Other than that, I'm always at church. And there was just this this level of self-righteousness. There was this idea that, man, I am so much better than the people around me. I remember feeling sometimes whenever people would, would confess sin or whenever people would be like, oh, man, I'm just struggling with whatever, or I'm struggling with anger, I'm struggling with impurity, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, you're, you, are, you are older than me. You should, you should have been done with this already. You know what I mean? Sometimes people would be like, oh, man, I just I couldn't make it to church again. I had homework or something, I'd be like, oh my goodness, like, I'm always at church, and I do my homework, you know what I mean, like, like, just this, just this feeling of just self-righteousness, you know what I mean, and, and it was cool, I mean, even with that, God was just so blessing the ministry I was leading, I, I, when I came into the ministry, I had 13 or 14 disciples, and then with Daisy as my co-leader, we just doubled that thing to 27, I was like, yes, we are awesome, you know, Daisy came up with this idea one time, she was like, we should fast every Tuesday for a month. And I kid you not, we were like, okay, let's just do it. Let's just try it out. Every Tuesday, we were just all complaining. You know, it was super hungry. It was, it was not right. We were like, if I started at 6 yesterday, can I go at 6? No, just fast the whole day. You know what I mean? Like, that was, that was the, kind of, the, the kind of conversations we were having. But five people got baptized that month. You know what I mean? And, and, and God just kept on moving. And, then, and the next month, we tried the same thing. Nothing happened that month. But the next month, her, her, her boo, Fernando, got baptized, right? And so... 
you know what I'm saying? It was just, it was, it, it was that kind of time at Cerritos. And then what happened is that the following semester, um, people just started struggling, right? There was just a lot of young Christians, a lot of, you know, a lot of things started happening, and people just started struggling. I, I would say something like two-thirds of the ministry got involved into some pretty heavy sin, right? Immorality, drug use, drunkenness, and I didn't know what to do. I just kind of panicked. I got worried. I, I didn't know what to do. And the ministry went, went from 27 and shrunk back down about 13 or 14 again, right? And all, a lot of people fell away in that time, right? A lot of people fell away. And I remember um, I, I took it really personally because I felt that I had built it to begin with, you know? And I felt that my whole identity and my self-worth was tied up in, in what I had done and what I had accomplished. And so when it crumbled, I was like, well, therefore I'm terrible, right? I, w- I was great when it was going well, and now I'm terrible now that it's going terribly, right? And, um, you know, it's funny because as, as human beings, we always take way too much credit, right? We take way too much credit when things go well. We just, we, we just believe that it's because of us that things happen. But then when things go poorly, sometimes we just take too much blame, right? And, 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 and that also happens, and, and that's where I was at. And it just made me struggle spiritually. It made me struggle spiritually a lot. I was the brother who, who started missing church all of a sudden, right? I started scheduling work. Now, I could control my own schedule. I worked at Samsung. I could do whatever I wanted. But I just chose to miss church a lot of the time because, you know what? Hey, I just, I just got to work now. I got to make money. I'm not, I, I'm not an 18, 19-year-old anymore. I started to struggle. I, I was telling somebody that I honestly remember a semester where I think I might have had five or six quiet times the whole time. Like, just the whole entire semester, I just skipped reading my Bible every single day. I wasn't connected to God at all. And um, that, the following year or two were just not right. It just wasn't good. And I think God really exposed in my life that I had a humility issue, that, that I needed to learn to connect to people. I needed to learn to be compassionate with people. I had to not be judgmental when, when people struggle. And because I refused to learn that lesson, he humbled me. He humbled me big time, and I was just in a, in a very, very bad place spiritually. And, and, and I say that because I feel that sometimes we, we, let, we have to let it get to a point where God humbles us before we learn compassion. And even if you don't say it, right, I never said all those judgmental things out loud, but I felt it. I felt critical of people. You know what I mean? I felt... Oh, what's going on? What's, what is wrong with that person? And it's crazy because we just came out of a season where, where we elected a new president. And, it, and it's crazy because when, during that season, you saw so much back and forth. And you saw so much, because I don't understand where you're coming from, I'm going to be critical of you. And I'm going to judge you. And because I don't agree with, with where you stand in this whole thing, I'm going to judge you. And I'm going to be critical of you. And, and, and it could be that way. You know, I... I know so many times we can hear people sin or we can hear people confess their sin and we can say the, the like, fateful line, right? I would never do that. And we could feel that way, like, man, I will never be in that spot. It reminds me of Peter in Matthew 26. Remember, he was like, even if everyone falls away, I'm never doing it. And he didn't even last a chapter, you know what I mean? Like, like, he, like he, like instantly fell away. You know what I mean? It's like he said that and he ran away soon after. But that's how it is sometimes. You know what I mean? When, when you aren't careful with your self-righteousness, it could really sink you. It could, you, you end up in that place that you said you would never be. I ended up being the guy who they were like, hey, dude, were you at church today? I'd be like, leave me alone. I'll, I'll come next time. 
Hey, dude, how, how are your quiet times? And eh, they're all right. I mean, I need to read more, as in, like, I need to read at some point this month. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like and, and, and that's how it can be sometimes. And so I, I want to say that in order for us to really be humble towards all people, we need to get rid of our self-righteousness. Because, man, it is so hard to help somebody when you, can't, when you have no compassion on them and when you are judging them in your, in your own mind. Actually, it's, it's almost impossible to help people when you have no compassion on them. On page 81 in the book, the very last sentence of that page, it says, the more I crucify self-righteousness, the more useful to God I will be. And isn't that true? The more that we crucify our self-righteousness, the less that we think of ourselves as better than other people, the more useful to God we become. The next thing is that we've got to be people who forgive others. With forgiveness is the title of that section. And uh, that section starts on page 82. And I'm going to read that first paragraph. It says, we do not forgive others for two main reasons. Sometimes it is because we want the other person to hurt more for what they have done. We are not eager to give them any relief. We want them to pay more of an emotional price. At other times, it is because we feel we have a right to hold on to our hurt and nurse it a little while longer. We are not ready to act cheerful and kind. We want to grieve over our pain. Forgiveness would mean closing the book, and we want to keep it open. And and that is just so real. Sometimes we just don't forgive people because of our pride. Because in our pride, we we, we actually want to hurt that person. Um, Like I said, I'm I'm going to be humble here, but typically I don't struggle with, like, not forgiving people. I'm pretty easygoing. I can easily forgive people. But in this season of my life where I was getting engaged... Um, my parents were like, my parents weren't really down for it, right? They were, they kind of, they didn't really persecute me. They just said, we're not going to go. We're not going to be there. And I was like, what? But I was like, you know what? Amen. It's up to them. It's their, it's their call. And I remember Ruben's here and uh, Ruben gave me advice after I told him that he was like, you need to take a day off and pray and read your Bible. You need to do it because Satan's going to attack you with that. You might feel fine, but he's going to attack you. And, And then you know what I did the next day? I did whatever I wanted. I did not take a day off at all. Didn't listen to a word he said, right? And so what happened is that, like, Satan just started attacking me. I started feeling, like, very, very angry, not just towards my parents, but towards random people. I started kind of, like, lashing out at my fiancé every now and again because I felt like, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through. And I was like, where is this coming from? And you know what? It was, it was just a lot of anger in my heart. And the thing is that, I was hoping that if I stayed angry that my parents would change. You know what I mean? I was hoping that if I just stopped coming around the house for a while and I, and I stopped being around them and I stopped calling them, that they would notice and be like, you know what, we changed our mind, we're going to come. But um, one of my friends, he's actually one of my groomsmen in my wedding, his name is Amir, he once told me a quote. He said, when, when you hold a grudge against somebody, it's like drinking poison and hoping that that person dies. Right? It's like drinking poison, right? You are hurting yourself, but you're hoping that that person's affected by it. And that is never how it goes, right? I I was drinking the poison of bitterness, drinking the poison of not forgiving, and hoping that that someone else would would be affected negatively. But in the end, it was only me who got affected, right? And it it was just a crazy time. I talked to Martine a lot during that time, and I was just learning, like, man, there's just something in a man who wants to please his family, always. And that wound will always be there. 
thanks be to God, my parents have come around and they're starting to talk about going and, they, and they're thinking about going and they, and they are planning on going. We'll see what happens, right? Because Nigerian time is like three hours late and so they might just show up and nothing's happening anymore. But the cool thing is that they are thinking about it and that and that, that situation is, is just moving. But the fact of the matter is sometimes it's so easy for us to hold on to, 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 our, to these debts that people owe us and to not forgiving people. Um, there's a story in the Bible, Matthew chapter 18, where, where Jesus talks about forgiving. Jesus talks about how our hearts need to be in terms of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, verse 23 to 35, it's a, it's a nice chunk of scripture. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to, to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison. I lost my place. I'm sorry. Bam. Until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he, until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I think this is, this is really, really important here because it is impossible to love people when you don't forgive them because you just feel weird when you're around them and you don't want to talk to them and you don't want to talk about them and you, and you, and you don't want to be around them. And it's just hard to really be humble to them when you actually don't forgive them. And, and, and the crazy thing here, as I was reading this passage and looking at the book, the book made a great point. Um, does anybody know why the master didn't forgive? I mean, does anyone know why the master, why this, the slave owed the master all that money? Is that told to us in the scriptures? And I think the reason why is because that tells us something very important about God. It tells us that God doesn't care why you don't forgive the other person. It tells us that God isn't like, you know what, because it was that very reason right there, it's fine. It's all good. It's okay to hold that grudge. It wasn't important enough to even know. The only thing that mattered is this. There was a man who was forgiven by God, and he went out and couldn't forgive somebody else. That's all that matters. That's the whole story. For what? I don't know. How come? I don't know. All I know is that there was a man who was forgiven and then he himself couldn't forgive. And the last verse says that, man, this is how God will treat us harshly if we don't forgive. Brothers and sisters, we have to forgive one another. Amen. God has no mercy on those who do not forgive 
others as he forgave them. Amen? The last thing the book says is that we have to be servants. If we're going to be people who are humble to all people, we have to be servants. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus is talking to his disciples as they were having an an argument about who was greater. And Jesus says to them, he called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers, as rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Jesus makes a point in that first sentence. He says that in our world, leaders are typically not servants. People in general typically aren't out there looking for how they can serve people. I used to work at a job at Sam's Club, like I mentioned. I had a boss. Her name was Kim. And we would all be out there on the field doing stuff, putting things away, serving people food. And then she would be, like, in the back eating all the food all the time. And, like, she would be like, if you eat the food, you can get fired. And she would just be sitting there eating it herself. And I was like, what? How can you lead us like this? This is not right. But, but that's leadership in the world. You know what I mean? Like, you just say stuff and you don't care how you live. You just say it. You're not eager to serve. Remember, I was a track coach for a while. I, I coached this middle school track team. Actually, one of the grandmas of one of the track girls came to church this past Sunday. I didn't even know. I was like, oh, hey, it's cool to see you again. But I, I was a track coach at one time. And, all my ki- and I would make my kids, like, run. Like, I, I didn't know how to coach track, so I was just making them do whatever. I was like... Like, you need to run around the school twice. But Coach DK, no, run around the school twice. And then one time they'd be like, you need to run with us. I'm like, no, I don't. Run, go, go, run. And so one time I actually took a race with one of them, like a 12-year-old, and I was destroyed. You know what I mean? Like, I got smoked by that 12-year-old. I was like, my goodness. But, but, but that's how it is, leadership in the world, right? You can tell people to do whatever you want. You can you know, lord it over people, but you yourself don't even lift a finger. But it can also be that way as a disciple. You know, you can sit, you can show up, you can listen to the songs. You're like, ah, it's three stars on the songs. You listen to the lesson, eh, it's two stars for DK today. He was, it's kind of lame. And then you take off as soon as church ends, and, and that's all it is for you. You know what I mean? And, and, and we can sit there and not serve. Right? We can sit there and think, man, I am just here to benefit from what's going on. I actually don't have to lift my fingers and do anything. Oh, wait, never mind. That's just what it is. And, and I think that that attitude really has to change. In the book, um, I think that this chapter is just really, really incredible. It, it talks about how, actually, I'm just going to read it because I guess I didn't put that slide in there. Um, the book talks about... It says this quote that I love. It says, not everyone who serves is humble, but everyone who is humble will serve. People do not serve for several reasons. They may think that it it might make them look bad. They may reason that they are too important and that serving serving is best done by those without such great demands on their schedules. They may see it as a misuse of talent. You know, there's always a reason not to serve. They always exist. You're busy. You already served last time. There's other people who can do it. But I want to put before you that 
Perhaps not serving is a form of pride. Perhaps not serving is you saying, you know what, I know it has to get done, but someone else should do it. Someone else should, whatever, set up the chairs. Someone else should do the sound. Someone else should, should disciple that person. I'm, I'm busy. I'm hurt. I can't do it anymore. Perhaps that's actually a form of pride. And I want to put that before us today. Because we can think it's just kind of, eh, whatever, I just kind of do my thing. But, man, every humble person will find a way to serve. Always. Every single time. I want to lift up the sound team. Jason Rain, Jose Quintero. And... And I feel like the really cool thing, like I come to church early every time because I'm a minister and I have to, and I show up and, and they're always there before me. <laughs> like, it's as if they like walk, and they're always like in the middle of doing stuff. And I'm like, man, these guys treat this like they are getting a paycheck after this or that there is something to be gained from this. But in reality, they do it for free. They do it because they want to. They do it even though they, it means that they have to be the first one to be there and the last one to leave. Even though it means that they can't talk to their interests at the church because they got to put away the cords and whatnot. That is just the sight. And Jason's like, yes, I, I know, bro. I see you, bro. And, and that's the thing, though, is that's how we all ought to be. Not looking for how things can benefit us, not saying that someone else can do it, not, not, not pointing to, oh, man, but last time, but this, but that but serving because the son of man did not come to be served. So how can I be a disciple of Jesus and then come to be served? That doesn't make any sense. Jesus came to serve. So how can I be a disciple if I'm not coming to serve? Now I want to preface this by saying, I know the scriptures that say, you know, you got to watch your life and doctrine. You got to take the plank out of your own eye. I understand that, right? That, that your own life makes a difference, but never do I read the Bible and put it down and say, you know what? I think I shouldn't serve anymore. That is, that is what I've come to in my quiet time today. I have never done that. I've never once picked up the Bible and put it down and then said I should not serve. And so let that be a reminder to us to put our hands to the plow to serve and that a humble man will always find a way to serve. Uh, the second chapter that, that we're going to go through much quicker than the first chapter is humility in discipling. And I did not know this, but, but uh, my disciples showed up today. I did not know he was coming, so I have to... I have to make this part good, okay? <laughs> Humility in discipling. In 1 Peter 5, verse 2 and 3. Um, and this is um, humility in discipling other people. So raise your hand if there is someone who you are helping to get closer to Jesus, also known as discipling. Raise your hand if you, if you have that relationship going on. Awesome. Okay, so this is for you. This scripture has been handpicked for you. It says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You know, discipling in humility means that you are doing it not because you have to, but you're doing it because you want to, because God wants you. To do it. And there's, it's funny, I used to disciple a brother named Anthony, there he is, Anthony Linares. And um, every time we would have D time, and for like several months we would have D time, and then while we were talking, I would take out my phone and start texting somebody. And he would like get so mad at me, and I was like, why are you getting mad? He's like, 
he's like, dude, I just want to know that you want to be here. That's all. I just want to know that you want to be discipling me and that you're not just doing it while having other things on your mind and because you kind of have to. And that really stuck with me. I was like, man, I should really put my phone away. I should stop doing this to Anthony. But even so with us, right, that in our discipling, we have to, we have to do it because, because we want to. We have to want to serve people. I mean, the scripture is so good. It says that be willing to serve the person you disciple. Wow. That's a, that's a game changer, right? It says not lording it over them, right? Not, and this word in the Greek actually is, is like the Jesus is Lord word, right? Meaning that, that you are not Lord over this person, right? There's only one Lord, the Bible says. And not lording it over them means not taking it personally if, if they don't take your advice kind of thing, right? It means not, not, not commanding them as though they're in your army or something. It means serving them. It means being an example to them. It means loving them. And if you're discipling somebody, I really want to challenge you, first of all, to act like you want to be there, right? Don't, don't be texting like me, okay? It's not right. You might, you might get discipled by the person who you're discipling, just like I did, right? But also, not to lord over people, to let people make their decisions, but to be willing to serve them, to be willing to be an example to them. Does that make sense? That, that by no means, that, that doesn't mean not to challenge people. That doesn't mean not to call them to obey the scripture, but that means that being an example and serving and loving and letting that be the first foot that, that, that you actually put forward. Amen? Um, and the second part of this chapter talks about being discipled. Oh, I, don't, I don't even need to ask that question because hopefully everybody in here is being discipled, is in a relationship with somebody, on paper or not, where, where you are being helped to be more like Jesus. Where you, where you feel free to get open, talk about what you're going through, ask advice, and the whole thing. But I, I really want to look at some of these scriptures here because I think that there is a word that, that, that our culture does not like, right? And it's the word submit. We don't like that. We don't like submit, right? When I think of submit, I think about like WWE, right? When you make somebody submit and tap out and then they lose. Right? So if you submit, you're a loser. Right? That's how I feel about that word. But look how many times and to how many people the Bible says to submit. In Ephesians 6 verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents. Slaves, obey your master. Titus 3 says, Remind people to be subject to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever is good. Hebrews 13 says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Ephesians 5 says, tells wives to submit to their husbands. But it also says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, at some point, you're going to be in one of those groups. You might be on one side or the other side, right? You might be the leader who needs to who wants people to submit to you. You might be someone being led who, wants, who, who, who doesn't want to submit. You might be the husband. You might be the wife. You might be the boss at your job. You might be someone who, who has to report to somebody. Pretty much everybody has to report to somebody. You know what I mean? And discipling to me isn't as much about you submit because that person's better than you. Right? Because what makes a slave master better than a slave or a husband better than a wife or a leader better than a not? None of those things matter. 
The point is that God wants all men and women to be submissive to each other. That's the point, to be obedient, to be submissive, right? And, and I think, like I said, the stigma with submit, the stigma with obey is I'm, I am going to lose my own personal thinking. I'm, I am, I, I'm going to have to stand in line to somebody. But the fact is that time and time and time and time again, God calls everybody to submit. Every one of us is to submit. And so I want to put that on the table because I think a lot of times when we have to submit, we have to obey the Bible, we can start to be like, oh, this is legalism. That's, we, we just use that L word, right? We just throw it out there. I have to come to Devo? Legalism, right? You just start throwing it at people. <laughs> well, I got to come early. Legalism. You just start, and, and all of a sudden, everybody who makes you do anything is legalistic about something, right? And, and that's just what it is sometimes. And it could feel that way. I used to be the number one person on the train of legalism, right? You can ask Brandon Bell. I would tell him how legalistic everybody was. That was like all we would talk about is, man, that person's legalistic. Man, I'm going to be like the anti-legalism person, right? But as it turns out, right, they weren't being legalistic. And sometimes they were. But that's not even relevant, right? The Bible doesn't even say follow your not legalistic leaders, Right? <laughs> Well, the Bible doesn't even say, wives, submit to your not legalistic husbands. Or, you know what I mean? It doesn't say any of that, right? And it's so funny as you read the scriptures that God doesn't kind of shape it so that we can make it convenient for us. And shape it so that we can do what we actually want to do. He says, look, you forgive everybody. But God, but that person doesn't matter. You will forgive that person if you want to go to heaven. We'll submit to them. But that Bible talk leader is making me, you wouldn't believe what they said to me doesn't matter. Submit to them. But my disciple is younger than me. Just submit to him. It's all right. If they're being bad, God's going to humble them. That's what he always does. God's going to take them out. I've had leaders that were taken out. I might get taken out. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine. It's all good. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to get... But that's the thing, though, is I know that God's going to hold me accountable for what I say and what I do. And the people who I lead, it's their responsible. It's their responsibility to be humble. And for, to those who, who lead me, I need to be humble to them. And I think that is what we have to know about discipling, right? Is that, when, is that when we are discipling somebody, we cannot lord over them, right? We cannot, you know, exacerbate them as the Bible says, right? But if you're, if you're being a disciple, even if your leader isn't following the Bible themselves, you've got to be humble, right? It even says be humble to the governing authorities, Right. When has that ever been easy? You know what I mean? Your boss, like even my boss, Miss Kim, right, is telling me not to do stuff and she was doing it. You better believe I had to be humble to her, though. And she used to make fun of me and call me college student because I was the only one there in college. She'd make fun of me. It was fine, though. It was cool because I always made sure to be humble to her. And when I left, she said, man, I, I always knew you wouldn't work for us for very long and that you would do something great. She's like, man, so many people here are, like, older and, and already and are already and they're kind of stuck but I always knew you would do something great and I used to not really not like her but 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 that was her parting word to me right is is amen you you have been humble and you have always obeyed so I know you're going to do great things and that's just what it has to be right humility so I want to encourage us uh, to be humble to all people to be humble when you don't want to be humble to be humble when the person doesn't deserve anyone to be humble to them and to be humble as a discipler, as, a, as someone helping somebody, and to be humble to those who are helping you. Overall, just be humble to all people. Amen. Amen. These are our discussion questions.
Um, question number one is, what are your most honest thoughts about being humble towards everyone you meet and those that you will soon meet? These are just coming straight from the book. And number two is, when was the last time you asked someone who is helping you to tell you how humble they find you to be? When will you do it? Thank you guys for letting me speak. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.